0: One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light.
1: If someone were to ask you what the differences are between Hinduism and Christianity, would you be able to answer? Would you be able to give a very definite list of differences? Well, hopefully after this podcast episode, you will be very informed and very able to engage in a conversation about that subject, because we're going to cover the eight main differences between these two religions. And of course, Christianity is much more than just a quote-unquote religion, it's all about having a relationship with God, but there are certain religious principles, ideas, and concepts that go along with true Christianity, and we're going to be covering those. So what are the eight main differences between Hinduism and Christianity? Number one, pluralism versus exclusivism. What do I mean by that? The word pluralism means the belief that all religions are different paths to God. Truth is relative. You can have your truth. I can have my truth and we can both be right. And whatever journey we take toward ultimate reality, we will finally get there. That's pluralism that not one particular worldview has an exclusive view of the truth. Now, counter to that is exclusivism, which means to exclude all other worldviews, all other mindsets, except the one you embrace. Well, of course, as Christians, we are exclusive, not inclusive. Hinduism is all-inclusive. It's an amalgamation of many ideas, many religious viewpoints, many worldviews. In fact, one of the main analogies you hear many yogis and swamis give is that all paths lead to the same destination or the same mountain peak. Usually when it's depicted in some kind of picture, then you see a number of different paths all leading to the same peak of the same mountain. Is that logical? Certainly it's an attempt to be loving. It's an attempt to be gentle and kind-hearted and embracing of other people's beliefs but it's not true. It's not true within the context of what Jesus taught, because in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Why is that the case? Because only in Christianity do you find a crucifixion for the redemption of the human race and the cleansing of sin, and a resurrection as a pattern of what will happen in all those who follow the resurrected Savior. There are certain things about who Jesus is and what he did that are not found anywhere else in any other religion of the world. Certainly there are some commonalities, like you find the golden rule in almost every major religion of the world, but that does not mean all their beliefs are acceptable just because some of them are a reflection of the truth. It doesn't mean all of them are. So Hinduism teaches all paths lead to the same destination. Christianity says there's only one path. Next, Hinduism teaches that ultimate reality is an impersonal life force. Now, not all Hindus believe that. Some believe that there is a personal God who is ultimate reality, Vishnu. But the majority of Hindus believe in the worldview mindset that the life in all of creation, the life in uh, the trees, the plants, the dogs, the cats, every human being is the life of God. It's an impersonal life force versus the belief in Christianity of a personal God. Now, the only way God can be personal is to be external or outside of you, and then you come into a relationship with him. In Hinduism, Brahman is the name given to this universal consciousness, this universal life force. And that force manifests in the form of the traditional number, 330 million gods and goddesses. 330 million deities to be worshipped. In Christianity, on the other hand, there is only one God, and that God is comprised of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God versus 330 million gods and goddesses in Hinduism and the ultimate reality that is called Brahman. The life force, the cosmic consciousness behind all things. But I do not believe relegating God to an impersonal essence is exalting him above our condition of existence. Because a personal being, to me, is far more developed than an impersonal life force. Uh, I I don't see why you would flip them opposite to that. Let's go to number three. The third difference between Hinduism and Christianity is this. Hinduism teaches an indwelling divine essence in every human being. Every human being contains this Christ nature, some would term it, this essence of divinity, this spark of divine nature. So to find God you look within. Christianity, on the other hand, teaches that human beings are separate from God and need to be reunited with God. And of course, that happens through the experience of being born again, and we'll get to that next. But those are two irreconcilable viewpoints Either God is inside of every human being or God is outside of every human being, but both those views cannot be right. Next, Hinduism teaches enlightenment versus Christianity's teaching of salvation. What's the difference between those two? Well, in Hinduism, the main goal is to be enlightened concerning what you already have you already have this divine essence within you. And the majority of Hindus believe that essence, which is called Atman, A-T-M-A-N, it's an, uh, a Sanskrit word meaning soul, that the Atman and Brahman are one and the same. In other words, every human being is an emanation or a manifestation of God. But you need to be enlightened to your divinity. That's the goal of Hinduism, and there's eight limbs of yoga, eight stages that you have to go through in order to reach samadhi, S-A-M-A-D-H-I. Samadhi is this state of an enlightened consciousness concerning your true identity, and then you are released from the cycle of rebirth once you achieve that goal. Christianity, on the other hand, admits our separation from God. Isaiah said, your sins have separated between you and your God. David said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. God is outside of every human being. This was the most enormous difference between Hinduism and Christianity that changed my whole view in the very beginning. Back in 1970, when I encountered the gospel for the first time, I realized that this is a completely different approach. Because of man's sinful state, not only the original sin passed down from Adam and Eve to all of their offspring, a sin state, a sin status. We have individually committed sins, that have created a breach between us and the Creator. But God wants to bridge that gap between you and Him. That's why the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then Ephesians 3.17 says Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. Well, He's either already there, as Hinduism teaches, or He comes in at your invitation. In fact, in the third chapter of the book of Revelation, around verse 21, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. How does God knock at the door of your heart? By introducing little thoughts. Conviction hits you. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do this. I should do that. I should do this. He knocks with thoughts coming to you, sense a sense of need for him. And He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, see his voice is what knocks. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And he said, I will dine with him or sup with him and he with me. In other words, you can have a feast together while you're in this world on the good things of God, rather than starving to death spiritually. So That's number four, enlightenment versus salvation. The word salvation simply means deliverance. And when Jesus comes in, he delivers you from sin. He delivers you from guilt. He delivers you from separation from God. He delivers you from the curse that fell on Adam and all his offspring. He delivers you from the power of death because no longer is death a foe that is undefeatable. You come alive mentally. You come alive emotionally. You come alive spiritually and ultimately you will conquer physical death. And so salvation means deliverance from all the negative things that human beings are entrapped by, the depression, the fear, the anguish, the anger, the lust, all the things that snare the human race you've been set free from if you've received salvation. Does that mean you don't have battles with these things? Well, of course you do. Temptations will come, but you have a sufficient power through salvation to overcome. Praise God. Let's go to the next one. Number five, karma versus forgiveness from God. This is a huge difference. When I embraced Hinduism back in 1970, when I was a student of an Indian guru, I believed wholeheartedly That every thought, every word, every action would reap an exactly opposite consequence. That there would be, or not an opposite consequence, but would reap some kind of karmic response. And if it was a good thought, a good statement, a good action, I would build up good karma but if it was a bad thought, a bad statement, or a bad action, I would reap bad karma. And in Hinduism, there's no real system in place to appeal to God for forgiveness. Any individual deity or Brahman as a whole, you don't pray to Brahman because Brahman won't respond. You meditate on that internal force. Uh, there are certain things they do to try and rid themselves of negative karma. For instance, the guru I studied under said if you chanted certain chants over and over and over again, that you could burn up karma. And so you would spend hours and hours and hours in a mundane, monotone way a mechanical kind of way, just repeating the same statement in Sanskrit over and over and over again, supposedly burning up negative karma. Many Hindus believe that if they bathe in the river Ganges, for example, they can wash away their karma and go straight to Godhead instead of being caught in the cycle of rebirths. So it's very important if you're aged especially or very sick to bathe in the river Ganges. But the water of a river cannot wash away your sins, and it cannot rid you of the consequence of negative things in your life. But Jesus said very clearly that if we come to him, he said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. And John the apostle said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And that word forgive comes from Old English words, forth give, that means to dismiss from thought. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to dismiss from my own mind those sins in your past. It's as if they never were. That's what justification means. The Bible says we're justified by faith, and that means just as if you never sinned. So in Hinduism, human beings need to work out their karmic debt. Why? In order to be delivered from the cycle of rebirth. See, that's what traps them in this reincarnation cycle. And it was taught to me that most human beings go through well over a million incarnations into this world, from the lowest form of matter all the way up to animals and then human beings. Some Hindus believe you can shuttle back and forth from human to animal state. Many New Agers believe it's always uh, an evolution toward a higher state, or at least once you become a human, you're always reincarnated as a human because sins pull you back into this world. They wouldn't call them sins, but negative karma pulls you back into this world because you have to pay it off. If you were to rob somebody in this life, you've got to come back as someone who gets robbed, and that way you cancel out that evil deed? Well, Jesus said to repent. And to repent means to turn away from sin, to turn toward God, and to return to a relationship with him. And God washes it away. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God has given us those promises, and all because Jesus went to the cross. The Bible says God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a miracle, the righteousness of God. A guru would tell you that to become as righteous as God will take many years of meditation, many lifetimes of a yogic lifestyle, but Jesus said it's a gift. Romans 5 17 calls it the gift of righteousness. What a vast difference there is between those two approaches. Number six, this is a major difference between Hinduism and Christianity. Hinduism teaches reincarnation, which I've already been touching on, but Christianity teaches resurrection. Reincarnation is the process of uh, rebirth over and over again, in this world until liberation comes. That's called moksha, M-O-K-S-H-A. Moksha is final liberation from the reincarnation cycle, and you have to achieve perfection in order to achieve moksha. So, it's salvation by works, while Christianity is salvation by grace. In Christianity, though, Human beings only live once. I believe that in the whole concept of reincarnation, the value of an individual human being is diminished because it's just a discardable personality on this evolutionary journey. But in Christianity, the value of a human being is magnified because You're so valuable. God is pursuing your soul, and Jesus paid the ultimate price to snatch you out of the hands of satanic control and the curse of sin. But in Christianity, the Bible said it is appointed unto men once to die. That makes our lives far more important, profoundly important. Your choices. Are going to determine eternity. And and so you can't blow it and say, well, I'll just do better the next time around. You've got to get it right this time. And then Jesus said, he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the scripture also said, Jesus speaking, he said, the day is coming when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and come forth those that have done righteousness, to the resurrection of life. Wow. What are you going to look like when you're resurrected? The Bible said, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive (coughs) and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Immortal, shining like the sun in the kingdom of our Father, we will have a glorified body, so different than the human bodies that we now occupy. That's God's promise, not a formless absorption into Brahman, which is what some New Agers and Hindus believe, that you finally become a formless spirit that blends in with the oversoul. No, you have a definite form, a glorified, immortal body, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. Changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Praise God. That's wonderful. All right, next, number seven, difference between Hinduism and Christianity. Hinduism, not all Hindus, but many of them believe that there have been numerous avatars. In fact, quite a few of the gurus whose works I studied claim to be avatars, or their followers claim they were avatars, and yet traditional Hinduism says only one avatar can be in the world at any given time. There were several gurus that claim that status. Avatar simply means an incarnation of God. A lot of people associate that word with the movie or with uh, other things uh, that they have used that word to mean, but originally from Hinduism, it means an incarnation of God and they believe there have been many avatars. Uh, In fact, you should get my book In Search of the True Light, and I go into the details of all the avatars that Hinduism teaches. And there's different numbers. Some believe 10, some believe 21 avatars, some believe more than that. But Christianity believes, and I'm absolutely convinced it's not just a belief, it's an absolute knowing that Jesus was the only incarnation of God into this world. He divested himself of his eternal glory and came down in the form of a little babe in Bethlehem and walked among us as a man. But he said, he who has seen me has seen my father. Paul said, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Only one time only one time. Now we get to number eight. The final difference or major difference between Hinduism and Christianity concerns the destiny of the universe. And the difference in opinion is cyclical versus linear. Cyclical versus linear. What do I mean by that? Hinduism teaches cycles. It is a cyclical view of the future of the universe. They call them yugas, y-u-g-a-s, different ages, some extremely lengthy, billions of years long, that the universe is constantly going through these cycles. And quite often it starts out with some cycle that is full of perfection, but then it, it, it becomes less and less perfect, more and more defiled until it becomes a very horrible condition uh, in humanity, and then it's all destroyed and starts over again and goes over and over and over with no definite end in sight. However, Christianity is not cyclical in its view of the destiny of the universe. It is linear. By that, I mean there's a line leading from this fallen state, this defiled state that we're in right now, that will ultimately take us to a new creation, which is a final solution. That's one of the reasons I don't believe in astrology, because in astrology, you're constantly going through the 12 houses, one age after the next, that always returns back to something negative, and then climbs out of the negative, marsh the muck and the mire into some pristine kind of paradise existence again, and then it all falls apart and goes back to the bad. Uh, But in Christianity, we reach a final climactic end. When the heavens pass away with a great noise, the earth melts with fervent heat, then out of the midst of this conflagration is birth a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. It will be permanent A new creation will be a permanent thing and nothing will ever disturb the beauty of that celestial world once God creates it. Now, those are the major differences between Hinduism and Christianity. I'd like to end by saying only Jesus had an eternal existence prior to coming to this world. He said, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. His goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Only Jesus was born of a virgin. Only Jesus lived a sinless life, though he was tempted in all points like we are. Only Jesus died for the human race. Only Jesus rose victoriously from the dead. Only Jesus then ascended to heaven to reassume his position of lordship over the universe, and only Jesus promised to return to bring us to that state of perfection with him. So why don't you choose Jesus? There's too many differences, too many contradictions between these two religions to try and blend them together. You can't mix them up in the same bowl. You've got to decide which one is correct. And I guarantee you Christianity is the correct choice.